Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. <sighs> well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental. Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. Do you treat your dog as part of the family? <laughs> well, so do we. So why not celebrate your pup's birthday with the ultimate party box? Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Party Pup Info, and let us make your pup's party or any celebration perfection. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. No Luzi energy drink. Yeah, it's that good. I'm headed to the bottom of the bottle. I've been drowning, I've been floating away. Rolling another, I'm stuck in my seat for the whole control of my speech. Yeah, I've been trying to get off this couch for a minute and a whole damn week. No kidding, I'm skinny, I cannot eat. Got a million things that depend on me. Yeah, every friend in my family, from a girl, every fan I meet myself. I'm too long, I'm too long. Come down, make new thoughts, like jumping off of that rooftop. Oh my devil, I do not make new space of my mood drops. Like who drops? Like who drops? It's your dumb family killing me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode one of the original G-Man of hip-hop, Mr. George Price, a.k.a. the original G-Man of hip-hop is known as one of the great pioneers of hip-hop. Having worked with the Sugar Hill family for years, he helped to bring the hip-hop genre of music into existence. Born and raised in New York City, he began his journey in the music industry as he entertained and excited the crowds opening up for Rob Bass and the late DJ Easy Rock as their hype man. He collaborated with B-Funk of Mohouse Records using the alias MC Friction on their single Keep It Real. As the world and values of hip-hop morphed, the G-Man took a new role, working behind the scenes to promote and protect many of the same stars who he shared the stage with. Working for Slack Enterprises for more than 20 years, George Price, a.k.a. the original G-Man of hip-hop, provided personal security services for a variety of entertainers in the music industry, most notably Casey and JoJo, the legendary classic soul artist Daryl Payne, famous comedian DJ Leon Rogers, and Tito Jackson of the legendary Jackson 5. 
Being trained by military officials, G-Man served as a bodyguard, personal security, and driver for many others in the industry to encourage the message of reach, teach, and uplift communities through hip-hop music. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the one and only, the G-Man of hip-hop, Mr. George Price. Hey, what's going on? How you doing, man? I'm blessed to be here, man. Everything is everything, my man. Everything is good, brother. So. For the fans that don't know about you, take us back to the original origin of the G-Man. Like, I know you're from New York, but what was your upbringing? What was your upbringing like as a kid? What was your upbringing like? You know, I, I had I had a very exciting uh, beginning, man. It was it was very spiritual around the house. I, uh, I was raised by a single mom. There was 13 kids in my household as a, with a single mom, and we the values was put together from church, of course, and how to be a better young man in my home. Like I, I literally had to go out at a young age and, and bag groceries, push grocery uh, carts and, and, and help older elder people home with their groceries. And I worked at a, a, a fish stand and a fruit market. So I had those days of struggle back in, in Brooklyn, New York, where most of my life, well, I was born in Queens, but I lived a lot of my life in Brooklyn, you know, and uh, I started getting these little dreams and these visions of a man talking to me while I was sleeping and, and was talking to me about, uh, rhyming and and uh, and and about uh, uh, dancing and and doing all kinds of different things, which I didn't know who the man was, but it always had a great feeling. So I would talk to my mom about the man coming to visit me in my dreams, and uh, she explained to me who who Jesus was, you know. So as I as my spirituality started coming in tune with my with my with myself, uh, I started learning that I had a gift, being born with a veil on my face, to be able to say rhymes. Out of just out of the air, just say nursery rhymes, and the rhymes were so prolific that I would go to school and I'd, I'd learn my lessons and remember all my my lessons by saying rhymes. So this gift, uh, you know, uh, just flourished. And uh, one day I was at the at the fruit stand and I was bagging, I was putting up apples and oranges on the fruit stand, and a car pulled up because it was outside of the storefront where they sold fish and stuff like that, mm -hmm. as well as. Uh, uh, vegetables and stuff like that and a car pulled up and uh at that time I was only 10 and a half you know about to be 11 I knew nothing of, about cars like luxury cars but this beautiful car pulled up nice chic long car pulled up and uh and a, and a, and a, a man got out with a, with, a, with a hat on his head and he opened the back door and an African-American lady stepped out which blew me away because I ain't know that we had cars like that or we was able to ride in cars like that. So when I say we, that's the African-American community. We didn't, we didn't, I, I wasn't used to seeing that image of us. You know what I mean? So as, as a young kid, you don't understand certain things because adults keep things from you. And so uh, the lady got out and she walked over to uh, the fruit stand where I was at and uh and I was saying rhymes and she was picking through the oranges and the plums and the fruits. And she asked me, what was that I was doing? And I, I said, I'm, I'm putting the, 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 the fruits together. She said, no, what was that I was saying? So I said, I was, I was uh, rhyming. And she said, can you do it again for me? And she said, she said, if you do it again for me, I'll give you 20 bucks. Now I was only making a quarter to help people, 50 cents. And this is back then where a, where a whole bag of chicken was less than a dollar. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. uh, so she said, I said, 20 bucks. 
I said, I'll sing the whole song for you. <laughs> you know, so she uh she gave me the 20 bucks and I and I started saying rhymes. So and she was just intrigued. She called the driver over and he listened and he was like laughing and he was like in a good mood. So she literally asked me what I come up to her studio and do it for her. And I said, studio, like, what's a studio? You know, what are you talking about? Because as a kid back then, this is 197, I want to say 1973. You know what I mean? And uh uh actually it was like like around 73, 74. I didn't know what a uh uh you know what I mean, what a uh um recording studio was. So uh she so I, I said I couldn't go up to New Jersey because she told me that's where it was because I was uh, actually that was on a Saturday. And she wanted me to come the next weekend on a Friday, which means that I would, how was I going to go? I got to go to school and I'm a child. My mother wasn't going to let me go because my mother was very strict disciplined. So she, she, so anyway, I cut school the following Friday, followed the instructions she gave me you know, to, to detail because I was real detailed about instruction. You know what I mean? So uh, I ended up getting on the train and, and, uh, and, and sneaking out, cutting school early, getting on the train, driving, taking that train all the way up to the last stop. It'll pass Harlem up there, you know, way up up top, uptown, and to the last stop, got off and got on the bus that she told me to get on. And her people met me at the bus when I crossed the George Washington Bridge. They met me in a in a little town called Fort Lee, New Jersey. So I, I got out and they uh they put me in a car and they took me. Well, they they let me get in the car. They didn't just put me in the car. They let me get in the car and they took me to uh, uh, a place called uh, a Palisades called Inglewood, New Jersey, and uh. She, so she took me up there and uh, she took me in this building and she had me go into uh, the, the, it was, everything was exciting to me because I'm not used to this stuff. So I didn't know what a studio was, but I got in there and I remember her taking me into this room that had a window in it that you could see through. And on the other side of the window was this big board with a whole lot of buttons and knobs on it. And, and now I realize that that was a mixing console, you know what I mean? And and plus these reel-to-reel things, you know, the tapes was reel-to-reel back then, you know what I mean? And uh, so she was like, she said, uh, go ahead and, uh, and, and warm up. So I went in and I was warming up, but it was so bright in there with the light. She said, would you like me to dim the light? So I said, sure. She dimmed the light. Blew me away. I didn't know dim lights, what that was, but the light just going lower. It kind of, I was intrigued. So I was like, can you lift it up again? I want to see it again. Cause I, we ain't used to dimming lights, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, so she said, go ahead, warm up. So I'm walking around the room and I'm warming up. I'm saying my rhymes. I'm saying my best rhymes, you know? And, uh, and so she comes in the room about 10 minutes later and said, you know, we're going to scratch that. We're not going to do it. And uh, she had promised to pay me some money. And uh, I, she said, I'm not going to pay you the money. This was not the $20 because I had already had got made the $20, which was already in, enticing to a kid my age. So she said, I'm not going to pay you the money that I told you I would pay you. And she said a certain number. And I and uh, she said, I'm going to pay you double. And in my mind, I said, I knew it was some bull crap before she said that. She said, no, I'm going to pay you double. So I, as I looked through the window, I noticed there was a, a, a man. It was, it was a man sitting at the board. I found out later on that his name was Billy Jones. And then it was another man standing over him where I found out later it was her husband. His name was Joseph Robinson Sr. And then it was a, 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 a white guy with this black slick hair brushed all the way back, looked wet, and come to find out his name was Rocky. And uh, he was part of the Italian family or whatever that was up there. And, uh, and her name was Sylvia Robinson. You see what I mean? So uh, she asked me, you know, about doing some some things, but I couldn't do it because I was a kid. 
I couldn't do it. I just knew there was no way. I was already going to get my butt with for cutting cut class, and I was already late for getting home. So I knew I was already in it, but she took the cloth. She, it was a cloth that was covered with a bunch of money and, and small increments from 5, 10s, and 20s, and some 50s. And it was a lot of money for a kid like me. So she gave me, she said, she said, that was all mine. She said, I said, that's all mine? She said, yes. So she got one of them old school brown, brown paper bags and put all the money in it. And then back then, the paper bags was real heavy. They was real thick. So she folded down. And she said, "Don't open this until you get home. You know, don't don't open it. Don't let nobody see in it or nothing." So I said, "Okay." So I was getting ready to walk out the door to go back to the car. She said, "Wait, I need you to sign the receipt for the money because I have to show where the money came was going and where it came from." So I I went back to the uh to the table and uh back then they had car they had receipt books the thick books with carbon copies you had to write and, it, and it, it'll go through from one sheet to the next sheet to the next sheet so she had told me to bring my social security number she told me to uh remember my birthday uh you know and and my full name and 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 all of that so i signed all the information that she had on that paper and, and, and for the receipt and lo and behold that's when history started where the first person in rap and before it was a culture and hip hop before that was a uh, before rap was an aspect of the culture, and hip hop before hip hop was the culture that somebody had stole some uh, a person's all they publishing their names their rights. And back then, I was known as Little Master G in my neighborhood because I still because I was so spiritual that I stood for the Master God, not for my man, my name. And then I got affidavits from you know hip hop historians that was in the park in 1975 when I actually named hip hop in Prospect Park in Brooklyn, New York, on Ocean Avenue and Parkside Avenue. They literally across from the McDonald's that was over there at the time. And the affidavit that, that I got through the lawyer's office that's notarized, and it comes from uh, who is a hip hop historian now. His name is Mr. McPhee, and uh, and uh, McPhee, yeah, and. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's crazy because to, to be the man that find out that you are actually the guy that named hip hop when, and, and, uh, and I was on stage and actually told him to put all the aspects of the culture under that name because our, the culture was, the, the, the aspects of the culture was blowing up and it was getting real popular and we was popular everywhere we went, man. So, so all the overheads used to go like this to us, you young brothers is hip. So that's where mm -hmm. I got the, the part from in hip hop, the term hip from hop, because just like when I had to go up to see her in, in, uh, in, in New Jersey, I had to sneak on the turn on the train. So when the police wasn't looking, I had to hop over the turnstiles. So that's where the terminology hip hop came from. So that that's it in a nutshell, man. Right on. So from the time you went into the recording studio and laid down some tracks, how long was it before those tracks that you initially recorded was released? Let me, I don't know how long the time frame, but I know between 1975 and then the first hip hop song ever came out in history, which was Rapper's Delight that came mm -hmm. out. It wasn't the first rap song. It was the first song that was promoted, manufactured, distributed, marketed, and, and, and played on the radio, you know? And so, so in, in its entirety and as just a rap song. That uh, that was in 1979 because I was doing this since 1973. I named it hip hop in 1975, and the rappers of light came out in 1979. So to be clear with for the fans to know, did you ever physically perform with the Sugar Hill Gang, or is that something that you just wrote those songs, you recorded those songs in studio, and they recorded those songs in place of you performing those songs? They they recorded those those songs in 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 
in, in the place of somebody giving them the concept and idea from what I did as a child, not, and it's not all of the idea, but partially of the idea and the concept, because if you look at some of the histories of, of the stories of, of Sugar Hill, you see she, is say, she alludes to it by saying uh, she met somebody prior to meeting Big Bang Hank and all of them and asked them to be a part of this project that she was doing. She says she, says she met them in a McDonald's. That's not true. She met me and and brought me, and had me come up to her studio, but she didn't want to say that because she knew that you had a kid, you, a child that you brought up there, and it would be illegal. It would have been something wrong to be looked at. And by me being a kid, I couldn't get in clubs and, and make it a, a business and make money for it. So they had to get older people that was able to do that. So so that's where all the the, the controversy come. And then uh, they get another guy named uh, Guy O'Brien. And uh, who is actually the Master G on the on the song that they actually took and did the recordings over with afterwards, uh, and um, who is not even from New York, he's from Ohio. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing that gets me is is everybody laying claims, but you're not even from our city. Mm -hmm. You know, not that that makes a, a big difference, to, but it, is, it has to do with time frame. See, back then, and when I was doing this thing, and and in the affidavit, you see it. Do you see the, uh, the, uh, the, some of the, uh, the people that signed the affidavits and put on and give their testimonies and then their testimonies, it says everybody in the neighborhood wanted to come around to the parking on the corners and see this, this, little, this little Master G guy doing his rhymes, who was me. And, and, that was in, and that was in Brooklyn. So everybody has the right to their own truth and I'm not debunking nobody's truth. Now, I don't get into controversy. I stay away from it. But time frames and time and the time periods and stuff falls in place. They try to say that uh, Cowboy and all these, and everybody else did it and they got it from the military. But when at me being trained by the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines to be a close quarters bodyguard, which we'll talk about later, uh, the, the general, that the people that trained me uh, tell you and have said when I called to verify what they were saying, because you got to verify things because you got people want to put you in the, in, the, in the hip hop museums and all these stuff, but they're so scared because people that has made stuff popular seem to like they're the ones telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And that's their version of the truth, which they are, uh, have their right, their, opinion, their right to that opinion. But in, in facts, the, in military, they said that you look at it, they did that in 1978. I go back to 1975, bruh. Mm -hmm. So it trickled down from where? It had to come from somewhere. So, mm -hmm. they, so they counted cadence, hip hop, hip hop, all that, and cadence. But I did this in 1975. And if y'all did it in 78, so that means I'm before that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, and, and I, I'm never going to get that recognition from the people because they have been brainwashed to everybody else's versions of the truth. And because you've been in something so long and, but I went and educated myself. You know, I got my bachelor's in psychology. I got my doctorate in theology of music, the theology of music, because I understood who the minister of music for God was, it was Satan. So I understand what the, what the, 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 uh, the vibrations do to kids' minds, what words and cantations do while you're rhyming that can control your cipher, cipher meaning in your mind, not passing a microphone around. So you know what I mean? And, and then I, I named the culture based on three principles, which is biblical pers perspectives, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding because I was a five, young 5%er. Five and back then being a 5%er meant something of consciousness where we can learn to be better men in our houses, like I said in the very beginning, and in our community without getting offended and want to fight like these kids now. If you tell them that sagging your pants and showing your, your underclothes and your drawers and your butt 
is it comes from a perspective of being in prison and that you was gay and you was available. They don't want to hear that because that's not what it means to them today. But it doesn't mean that that's, that doesn't change the legacy of where it came from. So, uh, right so, I, so I keep things in perspective, bro. Back then when I was doing this, turntables didn't spin back. So it was no such thing as a hip hop DJ. Turntables mm -hmm. didn't spin back. We, we, they was playing 78 records, which was very hard. So it was like the big 16 inches, but they was thick and very heavy. And, and, and the turntables didn't spin back and they was playing 45 records with the disc in the middle. So if you turn them turntables back, the black and the red wire would break or the black and the white wire would break. It would make no sound. So you couldn't scratch backwards and all that back in the time frame when I was doing it. So that goes back before there was anything of a such thing as a hip hop DJ. You see, mm -hmm. so when I break things down and now the truth is coming out, it's going to make a lot of people feel some kind of way. But I'm not here to, to piss on nobody's parade or to call y'all liars and all that. But you have the right to your truth. What I'm saying is, let's take it to the to the core. Before there was a you that has your version of truth, there was someone else's version of the truth as well. Exactly, one thousand percent. So, from an early age, you were a performer. You took to performing. Was anyone else in your family in music, or were you just the first person in your family, or only person in your family actually part of music? Well. Well, my, my biological dad, he sang in church. And, uh, but as uh, far as really my mom sang, people sang, and, they, and you know, because my mother was from the, uh, from the Virgin Islands. And that's another thing we're going to touch on too. You got people trying to say it was African Bambada, and, uh, but African Bambada, how could y'all, y'all was a funk band that came from the islands that was already in existence as a funk band that converted to hip hop. So if you convert to something, how could you create it? So, you know, so it's just a lot of things. That, that, that just doesn't add up. And then coming back to uh, signing to Joey Robinson Jr. from Sugar Hill Records uh, as a, to his, his, his subsidiary label under the umbrella of Sugar Hill Records, which was Bone and Me Records, I was signed to, I came back when I got grown and Sylvia Robinson and Joseph Robinson Sr. never even knew that I was the kid that they had that in their studio as a, back in the, seven, in the early 70s. The same kid who came back now was MC Friction because they wouldn't let me use my my the name that I had already converted to from that from the childhood days from the using the master G crap and it was only master with a G not master with two with a G and two E's and then and it was stood for the master God I had to convert it back to G man which stands for God's man the G stands for God and the dash between the G and the M stands for the bridge between God and man so your name has to make sense or what are you using a name for you know what I mean so therefore. When, 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 when I went back to using my name, G-Man, they had somebody else that Joseph Robinson Jr. was signing named Almighty G. You know, so, mm -hmm. so he said, you can't use the, uh, another G. And then we got another G, uh, G-Man that's on, uh, on, on the, the label that goes with the Furious Five or, and all of that. So, uh, so let's use you an alternative name. So I had already did a project in the Midwest called the Midwest Monsters and my and everybody had a, a monster character. So I love Pinhead from uh, <laughs> Hellraiser. From, uh, Hellraiser. So, cause he said he loved pain. So, and I knew that when he walked in the room, there was gonna cause some friction, right? Right on gate. So I took the term MC friction for just that, for, for signing to Joey Robinson. So, but in actuality, I was still, everybody's still calling me G and G man. And then when I was with Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock as Rob Bass's personal bodyguard, live-in bodyguard, personal chef, live-in chef, 
and part-time hype man when people didn't show up to do their jobs. I'd do the hype man, open up for them and all that. And I had all these gifts by having, like I said, that bachelor's of psychology, that document theology, a culinary degree. You know, I'm a professionally trained bodyguard by the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines in an elite program that they had, you know, that I was happened to be blessed to be a part of. And, and to do all these things, to go on the front of the stage and perform and rock the crowds, then to turn around and put on a suit and go protect the people that, in movies and, and on the radio and, and, and on stage, that says something about the, a man's character when he can put other people before for him in most of his life totally agree totally agree that means you're a helper and you give back and um that's what it's all about giving back and so from an early age who were some of your influences as far as your musical influences music i gotta say james brown mm -hmm. uh, uh the jackson five diana ross he was very prolific in uh in, in what I what I was doing because she had a song back in the day that was called Love Hangover. And that song Love Hangover by Donna Ross, it was a break in that song that just literally had me jumping through the roof. It was like in the song she was like, we got a sweetest love a hangover and I don't want to get over. And then it had this bridge breakdown that went dun, dun, and it, that just ran, that just made me go nuts. I mean, for some reason, because it was like that build up to a change in the music. <clears throat> Pardon me. So that, those was my influences, you know, and, and of course the Motown era. So when you see people like for the first time back in the day, like Elvis Presley. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, what's your? I want to know what your opinion on Elvis Presley is, because you know I'm getting ready to produce his a movie on his life. What's your opinion on Elvis Presley, the performer? You know, if I say that I left him out because he was an influence too. I had I got to be honest, and I say that because when you put Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, and you put those three people together, you have a full fledged entertainment system. Mm -hmm. full-fledged entertainment see these artists today they don't know about entertainment they just know about rapping or rhyming or dancing one little aspect of, of any culture <clears throat> i am an mc and an entertainer because when you become an entertainer you open the door for a whole lot more than just rapping singing and dancing and all that or acting for instance you open up the door for being a part of 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 the entertainment uh uh collage if you will so i could act I, I just started in a movie, which we're going to probably talk about later on in the next episode or something. Uh, I'm getting ready to start in a movie with my, my fabulous uh, manager who, who is in charge of called uh, 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 Prism, where I'll be playing alongside Jesse the Body Ventura in the El Chapo movie. And 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 the uh, star of that movie would be Joaquin Phoenix. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm getting it. I got into the acting thing and I'm, I'm excited. I also started in a movie called Mad as Hell, which will be being released in the next few months. And so I'm, I'm, I'm transcending and I, with a great management company, it, it's, it's prolific, man. It's just, it's so important to have a great management team. And then I got a great road manager who, who, who also opened doors for things for, for me and, and uh, which we'll be meeting him or we'll be talking to him on the third, on the fourth, I think it's the third or the fourth episode uh, of, mm -hmm. of, the, of the original G-Man of Hip Hop, uh, the G-Spot, which is the name of the show. And uh, welcome to the G-Spot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
So tell people what that means to you, the G-Spot. What does that stand for? What's the acronym of the G-Spot? Where does that come from? It comes, it comes, so it's not, see, people, because my name is George and I call myself G-Man, they think that the G is always about me. No, that G is, represents God because God is everywhere. When you see me take a picture and I'm standing there with my hands like this, that's because I know who have us in his hands. You know, that G stands for God. Mm -hmm. That's God's spot. And God is everywhere mm -hmm. I am at. God can be right all things at all times. Like Bruce Lee said, flow like water. God flows infinitely like water. Because you notice when they said the first thing they, they said it was it was it was, it was uh, the, the spirit was over the water and the water was everywhere. So it's kind of like a, a, a metamorphosis, metamorphosize your mind to be everything that you can be. So the, the G stands for the, the place to be. And, and this it even goes into our future cooking show that we're getting ready to do, you know, where I have all my celebrity friends sitting around this giant G and me in the middle cooking as a chef with all my celebrity buddies sitting around tasting eating my food and stuff so it's that g is everywhere g is stands for god and god is everywhere so there's not a man woman or child that can deny the point that 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 god is real and if you do then you lie to yourself amen to that and that's really important for everyone to be successful in life man you got to put god first let go and let god and give it up to him because he's the one that makes it happen at the end of the day so, um, having said that, man, from where you left off at recording those songs in the studio, what was the next step for you as an artist? Where did you go from there? Uh, you, you mean, you mean from not just recording, not recording those songs, because obviously you can't prove nothing from back then because the time frames are different. So I'm not going right. to get caught up in controversy with people want, because some people are so happy. They no, I mean, where you as far as your career after that is what I meant to say. Oh, oh, okay. So, uh, well, right now, uh, I got a, I got a new single that's out overseas on Phase Five Records UK uh, called "Who That Got Your Back." Uh, we got a song that we're working on releasing called with that that actually features Michael Jackson, uh, titled "Be Where You Are." And uh, we shot a video and stuff for it, but I want to actually do another video. I'm going to wait till we get a little further down with these movie things so that we can shoot uh, another video on that and add uh, all my celebrity friends around it and my and, and, and all my, my team on it. It's going to be a better, much better thing. And uh, and the, the music is right now that I do is all clean, up-tempo, fun music. And uh, uh, I, I wrote an anthem song for uh, the the, uh, the CBD uh, uh, oil uh and cannabis uh, uh, industry, it's called uh, a friend with weed is a friend indeed, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a funny, fun song, and it makes you want to get back in the club and dance again, because we miss those days when we used to be able to dance. Right on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's actually the end of episode one with uh, the original G-Man and Hip Hop, George Price presents the G-Spot. So we will be coming back to you with episode two very shortly. Stay tuned. Deuces.
to be 